Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations with Dr. Doe. Sexplanations podcast, episode 52 with Ro, who I know in a lot of different capacities. You know, that's the way with the guests in Missoula because we wear different hats and we run into each other. But most notably, I think, is your role with Guts, a program in Missoula that stands for girls using their strengths. Yeah. And I have been a huge fan of you and that organization for a long time, even before you'd been doing it, mm-hmm. and uh, have sent my kiddos, I think all three of them through the program, uh, you know, the ones that I've had long term, and they have come back saying, this changed my life. And Yay. I really believe in it. So thanks for coming on to this Explanations podcast. Yay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, so I was hoping that we could talk about bystander effect and whatever tangential things come into our conversation. The reason why is because a bystander effect is essentially what happens to a culture when we aren't taught another way, right? We see some sort of... Uh, trauma, injury, crisis, et cetera, going on. And as bystanders to that observers, we default to, oh, someone else will take care of it. Mm -hmm. And then nobody ends up doing anything. (sighs) So your program to me is so much about getting young people and the people in their lives, the adults in their lives, to change their thinking around that, to intervene and, you know, personally in asking for help, but then also as peers and community members, you're encouraging the civic engagement to respond. And uh, so maybe you have some insight, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. So we do a lot of stuff with girls and I think it's, it's cool to hear your perspective on that, that it's um, cause I get so stuck in the nitty gritty of like, here's what our program is and we're doing <laughs> after school programs and summer outdoor adventures and now this stuff with engaging girls in trades, but yeah, it is it is part of a larger conversation and a larger culture shift and putting power back in marginalized groups so to stand up for themselves and to seek mentors and allies and and to be respected, you know, first what's, and foremost. What's the elevator speech for your program? Like, so how my do elevator, you see it? Yeah, I mean, depending on who the audience is, yeah, we say, you know, Guts is a girls' leadership and empowerment program, and we've expanded, you know, our reach to include anyone who identifies with girlhood. Um, So anyone who feels like they could benefit from a program like Guts, we'd love to have them there um, engaged. And, um, yeah, so we do, um, we were reaching girls, uh, mostly girls in the schools who maybe otherwise wouldn't access programs um, that they maybe would have to pay for. So we connect like adult mentors, adult and teen mentors with the girls in after school and lunchtime groups. And that's happening like 20 groups a week during the fall and spring. So that's like a pretty widespread program. And then, yeah, we do these week-long trips, which I think is how your um, kiddos got to participate mostly. Um, Which are super fabulous and life-changing. I believe it. Like it's just a really cool experience to get to be outdoors and in the woods away from like everything else Mm -hmm. and just get to be with yourself and with people who are hopefully going to support you and pull out your strengths and also just get to be challenged by things that happen when you're doing hard stuff in the woods. So yeah. Um, And then we also are doing this cool new work with Grit, Girls Representing in Trades, and we're exploring this whole new field of getting girls excited about 
uh, trade exploration, get, getting them exploring different trades. So seeing what it's like to teach a young woman how to build something or mm. weld something and just kind of see what happens. And we've been learning throughout the process and getting to engage with like new populations around Missoula that we've never gotten to connect with. So, And there's a lot of cool people in those fields that are excited about getting women involved in these fields. So, yeah. I think that's my that's elevator That's a great description. Yeah. I don't know that it is your mission, but it's definitely a side effect that you change the the rape culture. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. You help our whole community and then the communities that trickle out from there to take better care of each other. Yeah. I just got chills when you said that. Like, it is. Like, I don't get to think of it like that, but yeah. Oh, yeah. That's... Yeah. Yes. This is totally what yeah. you're doing. And I love when you were talking about all the different programs, thinking about how each one of my kids were affected by their time in the wilderness differently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of them talked about skinny dipping. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you wrote that into the lesson nope. plan, but it just <laughs> happened. And how affected she was by that on her body image and how she saw other people and could love her her own flesh that Mm -hmm. way and then you know another kiddo thinking that it was amazing that you were making what are they called moon bags oh yeah Uh uh-huh for menstrual care in the wilderness yep it's the first thing we do when they come to camp at like 8 a.m or 9 a.m whenever they come in it's like okay we're gonna make our moon bags yeah and how they don't think about that part because in our culture, there's so much shame around, around menstruation, mm-hmm. around vaginas, bodies, just being a woman. And so for them to have that noted first thing off the bat just creates so much security there. And, oh, this person, Ro is seeing me entirely, right? Mm-hmm. Ro is understanding that this is something that I, I need or that I'm worried about or that I didn't even think about because I repressed it so much. Mm-hmm. So that's really powerful. And I remember another kiddo talking about... It raining the whole time, or at least a significant <laughs> portion, and it being so cold. And she came back and was so proud of herself for making it through that. I think all all three of them, when I was like, you're going to guts camp. that <laughs> That is happening. <laughs> They're like, no, I don't want to do this. And they all come back. Like, oh, my gosh. I have all these new friends, and mm-hmm. I like myself so much more, and I'm such a badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for believing in what we do. And yeah, I mean, we see that so much too with, uh, you know, it is a big thing. Like I tell the girls when they're coming, it's like no small feat to get to the camp on that day, you know? And it's like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a big deal. Like they have to be prepared to deal with like, you know, inclement weather and like who else is on the trip that might like trigger them or, you know, stuff that just comes up and, um, they have to be like, you know, they're in it when they come with us. So, yeah, and I do see, like, going back to the moon bags, like, it's amazing to see how just easy it is to create a space that is needed. Like, they they need a space to talk about periods and bodily functions. Like, so many of our groups just, like, end up talking about, like, poop. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, like, girls don't really talk about bodily functions that often. And it's like, um, yeah, it becomes like this just like funny joke or they're, they're uh-huh. just needing that space to like really talk about what is a period and like how is it for you and what's normal for you. And so it's really cool to get to to get to see that and how easy it is to just kind of create the space that's like open and that we're talking about it because we need to, right? We can't have – we need to be talking about it from day one because like it's going to come up for 
one of the girls or another mm-hmm. girl, and we just don't know. So yeah, yeah, it's really fun. Well, and I imagine you get to have the conversation too about if you don't have your period because you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, you weren't assigned female at birth yeah. or whatever year is going on with your reproductive system or it hasn't happened yet or whatever, you still get to make a moon bag and share it with people who do need it. And yeah. That's a cool kind of camaraderie. So how do you make a moon bag? Okay. So the way we make a moon bag is we take like a quart size, pretty sturdy Ziploc bag. Mm-hmm. And the fun part is you get to decorate it with whatever color or patterned duct tape that you would like. Aww. And so we like to make it so you don't have to see the, the like, mess in it, uh-huh. inside of it. So, um, and I, we, we think it's kind of the fun part. So they get to, like, put stickers on it and, like, write their name if they want. Um, and then, so you tape the outside of the bag, and then you put, like, about a half cup or a cup of uh, baking soda in it so that it just doesn't, like, stink, stink up camp and stuff like that and to, for protection because – we are camping in bear country. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's how you make a moon bag. So then the person could put a sanitary napkin or a yes. tampon, et cetera, in there. Yeah. Or even just toilet paper they used to do other things. And, you know, if they you needed to use toilet paper, if they were going pee or poop, they could put it in there too. Stinking beautiful. I know. Oh. And I have really some really funny stories about moon bags. There's I don't know if you want to hear this. Yes, of course. I think they're pretty funny. So we've had girls who have gotten their first periods out with us in the woods, which what champs are they to get to go through that, like when they're in the backcountry? A special Um, way to do it. Yeah. And we've also had times when um, some of the girls mixed up their moon bags and then realized later and then actually like carefully took out their – um, tampon and put it back in their moon bag. And I was like, well, really, like, no one's touching the inside of the moon bag. So you really didn't have to do that. But, you know, thanks for, you That's know, thoughtful. Yeah, being thoughtful about that. <laughs> Maybe not hygienic, but okay. Um, so, yeah, that's one of my favorite Aww. stories is girls mixing up their moon bags. And yeah, they got it sorted out, luckily. So <laughs> they're so unique. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what was going on in Maybe that trip. Maybe they just made they... Twin, twin bags. Yeah. Cute. Cool. Yeah. Um, so can we do a little plug here for some Patreon people? Yeah. Awesome. Let's do it. We have fans who pledge at what's called the boss level. Ben, Donna, Paul, and the Millers. And what I like to do in their honor is a question. Now it's time to hold our testes. So I've asked you to ask me and the, the audience listening a multiple choice question. Yeah, I'll try and get it correct. Okay, great. Yeah, let's see if you can get it correct. <laughs> okay, and I think my statistic, I hope it's most up to date, but I, I'm sure that yeah. maybe people will, if, if it's wrong, people will let me know. Perfect. Um, but it once was once true. So the statistic is, um, and it's a fill in the blank with like a percentage. Okay. So uh, girls age 17, what percentage are unhappy with their bodies? statistics show oh um is it i have heard this but my memory is poor so yeah this is okay give me some options here okay is it um 52 percent is it 78 percent is it 43 percent or is it 62 percent 52 something 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 (laughs) (laughs) i can't expect you to say those again Uh, all of them are too high is it the 78? 
Yes. The second one? Yeah. yeah. That's what I would guess just because I remember – I think I've even put it in a Sexplanations YouTube video before of how many – young people struggle with their body image. And it was, I, I thought in my head, oh my gosh, it's almost everybody. Yeah. It is almost everyone. Do you think that that's a cultural thing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, it's, I feel like it's just a couple things like combined in, in one. I mean, there's so much pressure specifically on girls mm-hmm. um, growing up in our society to look, look a certain way and they're getting it from other people around them. And there's not a lot of, like, you know this, but there's not a lot of education about our bodies. And, like, there's not a lot of good information coming in. It's just, like, all the really crappy stuff. And, I mean, I think we're seeing, like, a shift in sort of what is allowable and what is being seen in different spaces. But I don't think it's as widespread as as it's needed at, at all, like, in terms of, like, different body shapes, sizes, and just different, like, ways to identify as a woman, Um not having to, like, be this sort of hyper-feminine Barbie-like girl. Um, I think it's starting to change. I see it, and I see – I can definitely tell that, like, there's some more slack around it, but not nearly as much as we need, I think. So you think that it's affected by culture having this beauty standard, which a lot of people don't fit into. Mm -hmm. But I am also wondering if it's part of culture saying – we should not be okay with our bodies. Like a direct message of modesty isn't the word, but I feel like in my field of sexuality, we are taught that being sexual is not okay, that Mm -hmm. it's actually more attractive to play it off like you aren't. And so I wonder if we get the same messaging about our appearance where society is saying, okay, even if you are okay, or even if you fit into that beauty standard, you have to not be okay. Like just have low self-esteem is the American way. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's such a good point. Yeah. Well, because everything, we're so sexualized. And, it, you know, if if we have a negative association with sex and we're supposed to, like, not be that or not be sexual, then it's, like, that's inherent in our self-image that we're going to, like, not, like, be comfortable with ourselves. And, yeah, I mean, Mm. I feel like there's so many people who have so much work to do around this, right? Like, I think a lot of people have big feelings about, like, young women and things come up for them, like other adults. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to my coworkers about how just, like, people do weird things when they're around teens. Like, they just get uncomfortable. I don't know <laughs> if it's because they, like, weren't happy with their own, like, teen years or if it's just, like, they just don't know what to do or how to talk to them. But, mm-hmm. you know, people are uncomfortable with teens. I definitely see that. And, like, almost, like, scared of them. Um, which is they funny. are scary, Ro. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them are scary. Yeah. Okay, but keep going. <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to see people react to teens. And we, I mean, we have learned over the years, like, we have to be pretty selective about who we, like, bring into our world with working with the girls and, like, thinking about, you know, even just, like, speakers or people who are going to engage with the girls because I think there's just so much, yeah, there's so much, like, misinformation and just confusion around bodies and and yeah. t- and also just, like, young people, so. Yeah, yeah, well, they're really impressionable. What I've noticed in my own experience with teens is that I just expect them, like, you look like an adult, act like an adult, think yes. like an adult, feel like an adult, and they don't. They're very much little tiny kids. They're like my five-year-old, you know, and they still want to be 
held in a certain way mm-hmm. of like be in the same space as me. They still want to have somebody empathize deeply with their confusing feelings, mm-hmm. even though the adult response to an adult like that might be like, yeah, oh yeah, and moving on. But they want that to be held like a, a child. And so, oh gosh, rewriting that messaging in my brain has been a trip for sure. So good for you to notice though. Oh, thank you. Because it's such a big part of, I think that's what, that's where people get tripped up is if a young person acts like particularly mature, mm-hmm. it's like people just expect certain things from them or will act a certain way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, they get to, they get, this is their trial period for like adulthood, you know, they get to like really go between two worlds and really try to figure this out. And that's, I mean, it's a totally natural process, right? Adolescence. This is why it's so great you're doing your job because you understand that. Yeah. I mean, I, I I feel like I didn't necessarily like study this in school, but it's something that makes sense when I read the statistics and when I read books about it. It's like, oh, yeah, this makes sense because I know, have the the life experience of getting to see this in, in action. So, wow. yeah. Okay. So talking shop question. Mm-hmm. When it comes to things like the the hardships of kiddos or bystander effect, right? Mm-hmm. Where you see this, uh, the classic example of someone who has just been mugged, they're bleeding on the street and the security footage just shows people walking by as mm-hmm. this person's bleeding. How do you not feel totally burnt out? Like, oh, I, here I am doing the best that I possibly can. I am noticeably making an effect, but it's it's never going to be enough. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think it's easy for me to, like, see – like, I try to go back to just, like, each individual person I'm working with and really think of it it, as, like, each girl's experience is new and a new new chance to interrupt something that's going on with them, to contradict some sort of oppression that they're experiencing. Um, And, I mean, it's so different, and I get to, like, react to and learn from what that young person's experience is. And, I mean, it changes – Suddenly, and I, I mean, it changes all the time, and I don't claim to be an expert or whatever. I just get to like be there and witness whatever they're giving out and get to think about how to best support them. Yeah. And I, I like in my role as a program manager, I intentionally made my job so that I can do that direct service still, so that I can work and run those trips. I get to run three trips every summer. And I think that's a pretty unique like piece of that puzzle that um, I don't know if a lot of like people in, in similar positions would do or do or able to do. Um, so I think that's how I, is that answering your question? Yeah. How, how I don't yeah. get burnout. Um, you focus. Yeah, I focus and I get to do a, a lot of different things with my job too. I get to like write grants and tr- figure out funding situations. And I also get to like work directly with um, youth and then also with, Volunteers, we see a lot of volunteers who are like, who've had their own experience of disempowerment to, you know, moving towards positive self-efficacy and like leadership and strength. And they get, they want to like, they want to figure out how to get in with people and support them and be like, to be supported, to be able to like support people like they were supported as young people. And seeing those people's faces when they come in and they want to work with guts is like just really cool like a lot of people have I think people have positive associations because it means a certain thing yeah guts means a certain thing for people like whether they got that or whether they didn't like they have feelings about it and it's a it's a place of hope for people it's a place where they maybe can connect and 
they want to connect and make a difference. So it's pretty cool what I get to do. And I don't I take agree. it for granted. Like it's like, I mean, there's a lot of hard stuff and we definitely see that, but I get get to connect with a lot of people who see hope and stuff like this. And that's really cool. Like what a great privilege to get to do. It is really cool. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I ask because in my world I have that component where there is the the local effect, but with sexplanations being global and the just the enormous reach, I get overwhelmed and I feel like, okay, I keep digging and weeding and there will just be more dandelion seeds going everywhere and I when will it ever be different? Like um, hearing about the situations in the Bible Belt with abstinence mm. education is heartbreaking to me. And I think, okay, here I am. I'm writing another episode, filming, shooting, recording, podcast. We're just going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. But is, is it ever going to get rid of all the weeds? Or are they just multiplying faster than I can keep up with? I don't know. It feels yeah. daunting sometimes. Well, I don't know if social change is, like, linear. I don't think it is, right? Like, it's like we kind of oscillate and swing back and forth and things change as they do while, like, something's moving in a one way, something else is moving forward, and there's great opportunities. And That was cool to hear. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's, like, great movements going on. I mean, I know there are. But, um, but yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to, like, not see that change or see backward movement in, in some places so yeah like Ro be my therapist <laughs> tell me how to reconcile this it's okay Lindsay social change oscillates <laughs> oh yeah this podcast is so healing for me every time there's a guest there's always that moment where I hear something that I needed oh like, good. oh yeah this, this is for me oh good <laughs> this, this show is so selfish <laughs> Self-serving. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, have you had any experiences with bystander effect? Does anything come to mind? Um, like in a, well, in a situation, you mean with the guts group specifically? or It, it could be anything. Um, the one I talk about in the video is when I was uh, teaching at the university, I would stick toilet paper in the back of my pants kind of hanging out as if I had accidentally put it there when I was wiping or leaving the bathroom. And then I would, you know, walk into the classroom, down the center aisle, past the hundreds of students to the front of the room, and I would just sweat it out. Who's going to say something? <laughs> I feel so embarrassed, even though I intentionally put it there. But just to test my students to see who is going to call this and People wouldn't, and people wouldn't, and it would just go on and on. And that that is such a inconsequential example, right? Nobody is dying or being hurt or anything like that, but it's very much the effect, the phenomenon of bystander. Yeah, did you ever have someone tell you? The most recent one I can think of, I had to bring it up because it it was making my heart race so quickly. Oh, my gosh. That's I mean I'm that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you did that. I mean, what better way to explain that than to put people in that situation and be like, this is you know this isn't about like your individual mm -hmm. decision to like not speak up. It's like this is a like a bigger social issue of like this is what happens when groups of people like remain silent and or are together and then just don't no one takes accountability or yeah. speaks up. 
Yeah, I don't know if I have like a specific example. I mean, I just see it. I mean, I, I see it in our world. And mm-hmm. I, I guess, I mean, I've gone through different periods of wanting to be that person who is always the one who stands up. Like if I see something happening that's wrong, like in my earlier 20s, when I first started working with Guts, I would, when I was out and sort of out and about late night downtown, mm-hmm. I would be the person intervening and like putting myself in situations that maybe wasn't a good idea, mm-hmm. but I feel like I needed to go through that period of just like, you know, being the sort of like, you know, speaking up and just being really kind of like angry and upset about it. Um, I remember one time in particular, I was biking home and I saw like the two partners that were kind of getting in an argument. And one was sort of, I could tell had some more power and was like using like physical intimidation. And I just was able to bike close enough and just stop and like stand near that person that they were able to like separate. And um, I mean, that's not, that's not like a bystander effect individual or example. Cause I was the only person around and I don't know how that would have gone had I had there been like a big group of people but um, but it's a cool example of how a bystander can respond without putting themselves in danger yeah totally because I think a lot of people think that they need to go close enough that it could be that they could stop things physically but then they put themselves at physical risk and by you going close enough where you're saying I hear what you're saying and I hear this aggression and I am watching it's pretty powerful I also think that now that we have cell phones, people can take care of those situations with a lot of security. Yeah. Because you can stand 100 feet away and get on your phone and call 911. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. So so do it. Now you know (laughs) that the bystander effect exists and it's a, a terrible trick of the mind. Try to be the bystander who acts. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's really not that hard. I mean, once you think of it and once you are aware of it, it's like, okay, I can just be this one person. Even if it makes me feel uncomfortable, I think maybe that's why people don't do it is they feel like uncomfortable. Like if everyone else is complying with the situation is like me standing up against it. Like somehow I'm like, I'm kind of alienating myself or putting my neck out there and putting myself at risk. Yeah. But it's like taking things too seriously or it's no big deal. Like just let them work it out. Maybe you're misunderstanding. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I think we tell ourselves so that we don't have to take action or because as a society, we've been shamed to kind of stay out of people's business. And I think there is a point where it is important to mind your own business. But in situations where it's violent, it's, I think, I hope, here's your permission to please respond safely because if you don't, you know, with that phenomenon, it's possible nothing will happen. So, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's so applicable for like any situation, like whether it's like a, this sort of standard crowd or your classroom situation. Toilet paper in the pants. Toilet paper in the pants. (laughs) But also like at workplaces, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, no one else is speaking up. I guess maybe I'm making it up in my head or maybe this isn't the right time. Like there's, I mean, and I've been there like a thousand times when it's just like, this would take a little bit of extra courage for me to say something. And maybe someone might think that I'm wrong or that I'm like putting my head where, you know, in someone else's business, but you know, what's the risk? Like, like what, what are, yeah. If I could get embarrassed and then we move on, but you know, what the, what the bigger damage would be is if I didn't say something, you know? Yeah. 
Well, we're also having a huge cultural shift where before <clears throat> saying things wouldn't always lead to a better way. Sometimes saying something did additional harm or re-traumatize the person. And I feel like it's maybe even within the last year that there's been enough of a shift that people feel the um, the support to come out, communicate when there has been some sort of perpetration, and defend themselves without that doing more damage. So what are some of the messages that you give to the young people or your colleagues in terms of taking care of themselves and getting out of the mentality of victim blaming even to say that I'm not a bystander. I am the victim in this situation, but I'm still questioning myself. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's so much that comes up around that. And, you know, what? it depends on the age group, but just even starting young, like talking about um, these different situations of, you know, in relationships, what, how do we define, how do we define ourselves? How do we define ourselves in relationships, even if it's with a friend? And there's a great curriculum out of Red Lodge, Montana called Power Up, Speak Out. And it's specifically for middle school age young people like in Montana. And it's was developed specifically like with Montana in mind. Um, and they have great guidelines for relationships. I think it's three simple things. Like I get to be myself. I get to say no, and I get to have fun. It's like so easy. Oh! And I, I was talking to my brother, who's uh, four years older than me, about his relationship uh, struggles and different ups and downs. And I said, okay, this is what I tell like the young people I'm working with. Like, I get to be myself. I get to have fun. I get to say no. Like, are those things that are, you can apply to your relationship? And it was an interesting conversation. He was like, wow, that's really profound. Damn like, it, yeah. Red Lodge. Way to go. <laughs> I know. I know. And so we, we utilize a lot of their curriculum and yeah, it's a good launching point to talking about relationships. And it's one of the one of the cool things about talking about when we talk about healthy relationships with the young people I work with, it's like, you know, a lot of just kind of like putting the tools out there and then kind of seeing what happens and like really they can they kind of inform each other on like what they feel like is healthy and what what's not and they get to talk about experiences that they have and what they've gone through and it's pretty cool to get to like really sit back and I mean we intervene sometimes but I I think that's like one of the activities where you're able to like the girls are able to like self or just like really support each other and Mm -hmm. give each other feedback so yeah I don't know if I answered your question but it's beautiful okay (laughs) I in my head I'm just thinking wow like to specify it to those three questions that really cover an entire relationship health that's pretty cool yeah i'm impressed yeah red lodge by the way is a super small town it is yeah i know in a low population state yes yeah and i think they've done i mean they've done amazing work and i think yeah they've done like they're doing lots of work in schools and and it's being implemented here in missoula as well so Mm -hmm. and other places around the state too and they yeah they, I think they sell their stuff online if anybody's interested. So now I'm them. thinking about all of my relationships and asking those three questions. So good. That gives good. me the chills. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Fun. Yeah. They have a really fun um, game that is really popular with, I think, all age groups. It's called, it's called like the dating game or something like that, where you get a bunch of cards. There's like, it's kind of like a card game. Okay. And you get random like words. You pick up rent six six or seven random cards and they each have words on them to describe people. Some of them are like more 
characteristics that would might be categorized as like clicks, like athletic or like smart, like or geeky. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of them are like qualities that we like strengths that we have or different things. Um, but they're positive and kind of positive, neutral, and negative, I would say. Mm-hmm. And some of them are like internal and some of them are more just sort of like external features. But the girls then look at the cards and decide if they would date this person. <gasps> Or we do with the younger girls if they're, like, not into that. Like, just, like, if they would be friends with this person or whatever. Um, And they get to try to trade the cards. So I'm so excited. (laughs) I just want to play. I know. I should have brought them. It would have been fun. Yeah. And then they get to talk about what are deal breakers and and what they would and wouldn't want in a partner. And it's, like, it's just such a great intro, introduction into, like, talking about – what is healthy and what isn't and what are your deal breakers and what are things that you value in a partnership or in a friendship? It's so profound. I mean, the the stuff that they already know at like age 11 or 12, like some of them, it's like so amazing and just really cool for them to like learn from each other. It's such a cool group activity when they're able to like verbalize what they want in a partnership or a friendship and, you know, learn from each other about that. So... Because we don't do that. We don't verbalize it at all. We just say, I like this person. Mm -hmm. I want to date this person. I have a crush on this person. But we never say what that is about. And as a result, we're just kind of selecting on attraction each time Mm -hmm. without ever thinking the needs out and the hard limits. And Oh, so good. It is really good. I know. I I loved it so much that I adapted one for, like, a younger age group because it had some, like <clears> – <throat> I think they had some more, like, negative con- – or what I would describe as negative. I think you would describe them as, too, like, controlling or, like, verbally abusive. Mm-hmm. So um, – or, like, physically and sexually abusive they had in there, too. So for, like, the fourth graders, we just did more – um, kind of personality traits. Um, so I adapted, like the Guts team adapted a, a version to make it um, so that we could play with like the nine, 10 year olds. Cause they, I mean, li- literally like from age nine to 18, like everyone loves playing that game. So it makes me wonder if we need to be teaching about sexual abuse though at a really young age. Yeah. That like, what if we left those cards in? What if we had the conversations of, oh yeah, this is when somebody touches you in a way that you're not okay with or they say something to you that makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good so point. so many people are sexually abused when they're kiddos. Yes. And there isn't an outlet for it because things have to be kept PG. Oh, totally. Yeah, that's a really good point. <sighs> yeah, I and I think um, for us it's like a, a matter of like training our volunteers to like be those people who are mm. going to – because it's like I think it makes people uncomfortable to talk about it. But like – yeah, that's you're totally right. Like that's what else is more important than talking about that and bringing awareness to it? Like it, it is. So I'll well, reconsider that. I mean, it's something. I'm just thinking, especially having worked with foster kids, you've basically got like a a very high ratio of people who have been sexually abused or physically, verbally, etc. And it would be so cool if those kiddos could go to their friends and say oh, yeah, this is why learning the word for dad in our French class is hard for me. It triggers me because of this. And then that friend could say, oh, yeah, that's sexual abuse. Here's who we go and talk to. Or here's how I can comfort you through that moment without the the kiddo, the eight-year-old, who I guess is studying French. That's awesome. <laughs> um, just feeling so isolated in that emotion. Yeah. 
That's such a good point. So glad you're thinking about this stuff. (laughs) Well, but then I come up against how, how do we do it? Yeah. I have great ideas. I don't know how to implement them, Ro. (laughs) Yeah. And especially when, you know, talking about it in schools where people are just so freaked out to even talk about any sort of issue at like a, you know, eighth grade or an eight-year-old level. Yeah, maybe I'll write a book for kids. There's a really good one. It's something, um, it's like, Mommy, what's alcoholism? Or no, Mommy, what is drunk? And it's an illustrated little paperback book that describes alcoholism to a child whose family member might suffer from it. And there's no shame in there. It's just, this this is what is happening, and here's what we do to take care of ourselves. And I think the same thing needs to exist for sexual abuse of like, mommy, what's, what's sexual abuse? What's, what's bad touch? I think is yeah. what we had as a kid. Something that lets them have a language so that they communicate, can communicate what they need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let me know if you write that book. Want to write a book, Ro? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's write a book. <laughs> that would be so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is also something that happens on almost every episode. It's like, oh, here's this great idea. Let's do more work. Let's make a plan. It's on the record, too. Yeah, it is. Well, what's really great is that people will listen, and then I'll get messages where they're helping me out with things. So I did a live stream at one point. I was like, it's really cold. And then these people, the Patreon people, were like, we're going to get you a space heater. <laughs> like, I love you all. <laughs> uh-huh. Best community in the world. It's so great. It's amazing. People are listening. They are. They're taking good care of us. It's awesome. Cheering us on so that we don't lose energy in this, the, the social change field. Um, let's do kegels. Okay. Mames, Yeah, we're 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 gonna do. Okay, good. Um, We can do them systematically. Oh, okay. If you want, sure. How does that go? I can count them. We could do one for every letter of the alphabet. Okay, that's twenty six. Yeah. I'm (laughs) down. Is your pelvic floor ready for (laughs) twenty six kegels? I did some warm up last week, so yeah. Oh, nice. (laughs) Well done. I did some warm-up this morning. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm wondering, like, sh- can I say the alphabet without singing the alphabet song? I bet you can. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, B, W, X, Y, Z. You did it. (laughs) You did. (laughs) While I was doing it, I was thinking, gosh, I wish I could think of a sex word for each letter of the alphabet. And then I knew, no, I can't do a kiggle and think at the same time. (laughs) It was hard enough to know if I was saying the letters in the right order. That would be very complicated. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. But it's (laughs) good. It's a good workout, and I am grateful to have this opportunity each week to to strengthen my PCs. Which, fun fact, did you know about me that I'm a birth doula? I did. And I, like, my, like, lifetime goal is to become a midwife. I did not know that part. 
Yeah, I really, that's like my, yeah, I would love to do that one day. Maybe one day soon. Who knows? But So tell me, how do you recommend to your the, the people you work with to do their kegels? Well, what one thing I've learned, I don't know if I'm qualified enough to tell people, instruct people how to do their kegels, but I did learn that the pelvic floor is not just all about kegels and that if there's something that's, if there's some sort of like muscle, muscle deficiency that there are ways to heal that are more than just doing kegels. And Ooh. especially if your pelvic floor is weak, like there could be, some different ways to heal. And um, I know there's people like PTs that specialize in it. Yeah, who there are. I'm you connecting probably. with one and we're, oh, cool. we're going to figure out a way to do a podcast or a cool. explanations YouTube video where I learn how to do everything properly in my groin. Oh my gosh. It's so, th- t- speak of, talk about something that is not talked about a lot is pelvic floors and like everyone just assumes, like the other thing I've learned is people just assume that incontinence is just a result of birthing a baby when mm-hmm. like someone births a baby that it's just going to that's just going to be your reality um that you're going to pee when you sneeze or when you jump on a trampoline but it doesn't have to be that way true that's what i learned it's true yeah so you probably already know this stuff but no i'm just thinking what is something that we what is something that isn't taboo that we do talk about all the time like we talk about the weather so every time you talk about the weather talk about the pelvic floor yeah for every time you bring up that it's raining or that it's cloudy, also talk about your pelvic floor. Yeah, I did an exercise. I listened to or I watched in on a webinar that was talking about pelvic floors and they had like an exercise where you kind of visualize like kind of pulling up from underneath. And it's mm. not a kegel, but it's like more like lifting. And I'm not describing it totally right, but people can go find resources Oh, totally. Online to like look that stuff up so yeah we encourage yeah. them to stay curious it's yeah last thing we get to do is extra credit a little homework so you don't forget it here's dr Dose's extra credit giving them an assignment that they can do in the next week between episodes of this explanations podcast do you have anything in mind Ooh, yeah in addition to them looking on kegel pull-ups <laughs> kegel pull-ups <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe one that could be cool is if if you're an adult out there who who's had help along the way through adolescence, like could you spend a little time thinking whoever that person was, like writing them a card or giving them a phone call and just letting them know how important their impact was on you. Is that a good homework? I like it. Okay. Let me make sure I understand though. You you're asking people to Write to the mentors. Yes. Their mentors and thanking them for the impact that they had on their lives. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Because I don't think we do that enough either. Do you have a person in mind for yourself? For myself? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do. Let me say who it is. If you want to. <laughs> well, I have someone who I've been wanting to reconnect with who is actually, it's kind of complicated because she is my, she was my sister-in-law, but my, her and my brother got a divorce. Mm. And it's kind of strained our relationship, but it's been something that's been kind of hard for me because she was someone who was there during my adolescence and was like really just such a good support for me. But it's a little messy now just because of relationships. So, but, but I think I'm going to... You have Sexplanations Podcast Sexter Hat and Credit <laughs> homework, so yeah. you get to. Okay, cool. I'm going to yeah. do it. That's awesome. I try to do that pretty regularly. 
write thank you letters and let the people in my life know how much they mean. I also plant a ridiculous amount of flowers in my yard so that almost every inch of it is a flower so that I can constantly be cutting bouquets to give people as a way of saying thank you for raising me. Ah, That's so beautiful. Well, thank you. Yeah, I love that. Gift giving. It's a, a love style that I don't usually partake in, but there's something really nice about giving people flowers and being like, look at these pretty smelly things. Mm-hmm. They make me think of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Well, thank you for being on the podcast, Ro. It means a lot to me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. You can um, play it to all the people you want to get funding from. Oh, yeah. Like, look at this. Look at this program. Dr. Doe says it changed her daughter's lives. Great. Hook us up. I'm going to write that down. Yes. It's a great idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. Cool. I also want to thank Cinema Studios, Callie, for doing the sound engineering and editing to Complexly for production and Count Boogie for the jingles and Cora and Parle. I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs>